0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFillippo, joined tonight by Chad Markulich. Chad, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Not bad. Dan Smith. Dan, how are you doing? Bill, I just have to say this intro is marvelous. Yeah. Yes, I, uh, I agree. Uh, let's see how, how marvelous it is because Eric is here also. Eric, what's up?
1: Hey, what's happening? Hey! Oh, thank God. Uh, All good. right. Well, <laughs> well done, <laughs> everybody. Check one, too.
0: Group hug. <laughs> Yes, we'll uh, we'll, we'll maybe put this... Uh, we were talking about
2: the bonus DVD to the season
0: one of the podcast, yeah.
2: If you purchase, and this is coming out this summer, but if you purchase the four-disc <laughs> DVD set of the first season of Roar Lines Radio, there will be bonus content that includes the first take of tonight's podcast. It's about five <laughs> minutes long, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it's... Uh, It's not suitable
0: for work. (laughs) And uh, one person on here sounds like a sea monster. It's a lot of fun. Uh, But yeah, as you can guess by the uh, lineup of podcasters we got on tonight, we're going to be talking about Penn State basketball. Uh, The last time we were on here, things looked pretty good for Penn State. They had just come off a big win against Michigan State and were about to go on to beat Minnesota. They had a really fun game, even though it was a loss against Indiana. Uh, before the two games that we're really going to talk about tonight, which were road trips to Purdue, uh, where Penn State just got, you know, they got pushed around by a really strong, really physical Purdue squad. And then against Wisconsin, Penn State hung around for a half, but then Wisconsin really just put his foot on the gas in the second half and was able to pull away. Uh, we're going to start with Eric tonight. Eric, uh, first off, how how you, how you feeling, buddy? Do you think this is all going to go well?
1: Uh, well, uh, we're kind of in the dog days of the Big Ten season, so it's kind of kind of hard to be like, yeah. yes, this is going to go well.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I, I, me- I meant with uh, your audio, but.
1: Well, I mean, how, how am I sounding?
0: You uh, I sound great. Yeah, You sound fine. Thank you. All right. So, Eric, uh, I, I think the thing that we've been talking about was uh, against really starting with the Michigan game, uh, then with Michigan State, Minnesota and Indiana. Those freshman moments, those times where it looked like Penn State was a team led by freshmen, they didn't really show up as much as you would expect. Like they were battling and in games uh, like a more veteran team. They really looked like younger guys, a team led by, you know, freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores against Purdue and Wisconsin. Uh, What do you chalk that up to? Was it just like there was something... They weren't doing right, or was it just, listen, they're young guys on the road in two really hostile environments against great teams. This thing's going to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely uh, the opponent has to be considered, considering they were playing um, top 25 teams. Uh, for how young this team is playing at Purdue and at Wisconsin back-to-back, I mean, no one's surprised at the outcomes of those games. Uh, they were they were huge underdogs in both, and they, uh, they got taken to the woodshed in both. Um, Purdue game just really – they had like a, a stretch in the first half. Terrence Samuel actually came in, um, and they, they made a run after they got down early. But after that little mini run just to cut it down to like three, Purdue just – they couldn't match up with Purdue. Um, their, bigs, their bigs couldn't match up. They've been saddled in foul trouble the last two games. Um, Watkins is coming off the uh, probably his two worst games of the season. Uh, but you got to consider the fact that he's going up against the two best big men in the league, uh, Caleb Swanigan and Ethan Happ, who kind of are all-American candidates. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't think you can get too down on them right now. I know they're they're on a three-game losing streak. It's the the longest losing streak of the year. Uh, they got a huge game coming up against Illinois uh, at home. It's kind of kind of a must-win, if you will, to uh, kind of get the good good vibes back. But um, but yeah, I don't think you can fault them for. Uh, how bad they lost in those last two games.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dan, I actually want to go to new y- you next because you, uh, like you mentioned something in our Slack about how there are a lot of people out there who are, you know, calling for Pat chambers head, which it happens all the time, whatever. I, I think we all agree that is ridiculous, but why do you think that, well, like what's the reasoning behind being so upset after these two losses, Uh, If we're doing Wisconsin, that these people are, you know, they're showing up and they're getting loud and all that.
2: I think they were going to show up anyway. I mean, I saw this coming after they lost to Indiana, um, just knowing that there were going to be two big losses on the road coming up. Um, You know, I had zero confidence going into either of those games, matchup-wise. It's a young team going up against teams that, you know, are, are going to be able to exploit the issues that Penn State has and they did that. I mean, they went after the big men to try to get them in foul trouble in the first half, and it worked. And it got guys out of their rhythms. It got Penn State in matchup nightmare situations, and they are unable to get back in the flow of things uh, from that. I mean, that kind of even happened in the Indiana game. It took them a long time to get things to work after they had to sit a bunch of guys at the end of the first half in that game, The the first... 15 minutes of that second half were a real lull they, that, that sort of put a blueprint on get them in foul trouble and you'll throw them off and they you know will be it'll be a very difficult time for them to recover but as far as the chambers thing is concerned you know it's it's a bit exhausting to me at this point it, 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 all the more made by the fact that i knew it was coming look nobody's happy about the way this past week has played out and i know that You know, losing to Albany and George Mason in the non-conference has put the fan base a little on edge. But it's the people who are willing to throw context out of the window at any moment if it helps them feel like they're winning the argument. Um, You know, so let's talk about that context a little bit. Because the 2 prong argument coming from the people who want to get rid of Chambers is it's year six. And he said, um, you know, it's postseason or bust this year. The second part of it, the only people who have a problem with that are the people who wanted him going in the first place. They're the only ones who are dwelling on that. Was it a silly thing to say? Sure, this team with no seniors and freshmen getting half the minutes didn't need that, but it's not a fireable offense. So let move past that. The other one is year six, and it's a compelling argument at surface level, but it compares him. You know, it compares another coach, which is it compares him to Ed the Chiles. But context matters. So let's talk about the Chiles. Where was the program in the summer of 2011 when Chambers was hired? The cupboard's bare. There's no recruiting pipelines. That you know, that team, aside from Tim Frazier, was totally devoid of talent. The cellist knew it. That's why he left for Navy. He knew he wasn't going to be able to do anything in year nine with that team, and and so he got out before you know Penn State was got rid of him. And you know, and, and so Chambers is set up in an awful spot, and in an all you know with an awful arena program that. You know, the, the athletic department's never cared about, has at the time way more pressing issues to concern itself with, as you know, once he got into his first year. So, just every stack of odds against him possible, other than Tim Frazier. And, you know, it, of course, this was going to take time. He wanted to build it the right way, you know, getting relationships with young players, and that takes time. And, you know, the foundation of what we think the program could be if everything breaks right is from the 2015 and 2016 classes, Reeves, Watkins, Carr, Stevens. They're the ones who matter. It's And it took four years to start making an impact in recruiting. And if you wanted to fire him, it, the reason should have been that he didn't recruit and the time to do it would have been 2014. You know, now we're finally starting to see the fruits of some of that labor, and man, was it labor. And you want to pull the rug out because the freshmen are playing like freshmen, and people look at it and go... You know, he's blowing a chance against a a down Big Ten with a rare favorable schedule. And that's not how you should be looking at it. You should be looking for progress from young guys. And I think we've been talking about it. You see flashes of it. You see Tony Carr starting to get there recently. You see Lamar Stevens, you know, and Mike Watkins probably just being an offseason of, you know, getting a better feel for the Big Ten, hitting the weight room, getting more comfortable with it being away. You know, Josh Reeves just needing to calm down a little bit. You know, they're young. They're young and talented. And, you know, if they were so talented that they were going to step in day one and dominate the Big Ten, they'd go into Kentucky for a year and then hop to the NBA. They're a tier below that. And that's great for Penn State. So, but it's never going to be enough, for, you know, for people who watched an untalented team for years and thought it must be the coach. And I get it. It's easier to get mad at a 40 something year old man making good money than it is to get mad at college age kids not making any money who, you know, against whatever, you know, normal you know pattern there is chose your university but it's not how you give a historically awful basketball program a chance so whether they make the nit or not you know barring them losing out chambers needs another year to see this thing through and if we're here at the same time next year saying none of these guys these you know those four or five guys i'm talking about are taking the next step then you probably win the argument at that point by saying it's year seven you know what where are we But we're not there yet. And I know people who hate that every year seems to be wait till next year, you know, are going to have a problem with that. But there is a context here that you cannot just dismiss. It can't be ignored in fairness. And next year really is the year. So I know if there was some sort of time limit, I went way past it there. But that was sort of what I wanted to get off my chest a little bit about that.
0: uh, I I enjoyed that. Um... Yeah. That's the
3: podcast I think. I think we're done here.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone for listening by shirts. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, I, I do think it would be good uh, if everyone heard Chad speak one time before we left. Uh, Chad, there's <laughs> one thing that, uh, that Dan touched on in there. Uh, Try to get back to uh, the games and all that. and that is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and that is that uh, this team was really banking on young guys. It's something we have said over and over and over. And during the games against Indiana, against Minnesota, against Michigan State, we saw those young guys play really well. Uh, Against Wisconsin, uh, Mike Watkins, 0 for 3, 1.5 rebounds, 4 fouls. Tony Carr started off really well and then kind of hit a wall. Uh, Lamar Stevens has just generally hit a wall this season. Uh, His offensive game just doesn't seem to be there. And against Purdue, a lot of the same issues. Mike Watkins didn't really have his best game. Uh, and again, he's having to do this against uh, two of the best players in the Big Ten. So that happens. Lamar Stevens, his jump shot again, has just not been as loyal to him as it was earlier in the season. And Tony Carr, 6.6 rebounds, 4 assists on two of 11 shootings. So have these games really put into context how important it is for Penn State to get contributions from these freshmen. And does it kind of make you sit there and go, you know what, we really do need to see games like this coming because, you know, they're freshmen, this team is built around freshmen, and when they're not playing up to their abilities, things like this are going to happen.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that you see the types of teams they were playing in the first part of the Big Ten schedule. And then the last three games, um, the first, you know, the three wins, they played teams that were um, not all that experienced. You know, Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota, a lot of those players are, I mean, Michigan State, Minnesota's case is a lot of freshmen, a lot of underclassmen. Rutgers is just kind of trash, but that's beside the point. Um, Indiana, Purdue, Wisconsin, I mean, Wisconsin is literally the most experienced team in college basketball. And it's you're playing on the road at Kohl Center. We we you know we knew these were going to be the two toughest games of the year. I mean, within the end of the toughest three games of the year. So, and they all come back to back to back. So, um, yeah, of course you need contributions contributions from freshmen. They're very important. They're clearly you know Carr, Stevens, and Watkins are clearly the three most important players for the team. Um, you know, i would be nice to get Shep Garner going a little bit, and and for Josh Reeves to have good ga- uh, good games too. But um, you can, you're not going to expect all five of those players to have um, on nights in the same time. So. Um, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is, you know, you can't judge this season based on the last two games, especially. I mean, the Indiana game, you give them a little pass, they really competed in that game. Um, Purdue, Wisconsin, it's just a learning curve. They're going to have bumps like this against really experienced and good teams on the road. So, um, yeah, it's you just got to have a little patience and, and see these next, uh, next three or four game stretch. They have opportunities to get some wins here. So, uh, let's just see what happens there. Yeah.
0: Uh, just one thing I want to mention, because I have to mention this whenever Chad brings this up. Uh, he said Rutgers is the worst team in the Big Ten. Earlier in the season, he I, said... Uh, it was, okay,
3: okay. Let me clarify. He it. said, he he said it was... Trash. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold
0: they're on. are trash. Hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. He I said have, earlier this year it was very possible that Penn State was worse than
3: Rutgers. Um that we could lose to Rutgers, and we still can because we
2: play them. I'm not sure that's what you said. <laughs> Look it up. It's in the Slack. Hold on, we... We don't we don't have the pay for Slack, so we can't. Uh, look it up. But I thought we did. Um, I also remember distinctly. Remember you you talking up St. John's a lot, and then Penn State beat him by like thirty.
3: <laughs> I don't know if I have to yeah. reference this every time we play. No, we no, discuss we, we do, Johns, we do. but they beat. No, you started weird. getting
2: mad, so I wanted to just keep going. <laughs> uh, all
0: right. I'm not mad. I'm not mad.
3: I'm not owned.
0: <laughs> You're turning into a corny Uh Let's try and if possible, find some silver linings from these two games. Um, Eric, because I know you are a relentless optimist, um, What, where where are the good things that came out of these two games, whether they are individual performances or more big-picture things for this program?
1: Uh, Terrence Samuel, for me, um, I thought he was good in both games. He, um, <clears throat> when he came in off the bench, um, like I kind of referenced it earlier against Purdue, he came off the bench and um, they had that stretch there where they actually came back from the early deficit. And then um, last night in the first half, of the Wisconsin game, same deal. He came in, made all three shots, had eight points, couple assists. Um, you know, he's never going to put up big numbers, obviously coming off the bench, and he's not really much of an offensive player. But uh, for a young team that has been struggling as much as they have been, um, I thought he was. What he gave them was, was encouraging just from an individual perspective, um, but as far as the team or, or anything, um, you know there were some spurts there. Uh, Tony Carr looked pretty good yesterday um, in the Wisconsin game uh, at times, um, but uh, Lamar's struggling. I mean, I don't know it's kind of, it's, it's, this is just the way the season is going to go when you've got this many freshmen playing. Um, I kind of want to go back to um, you know Dan's rant that uh, I know we all yeah, go to town share the uh, same sentiment there. But um, you know, it, it kinda goes back to that Rostin article because we keep talking about it. Like everyone's like <laughs> attributing uh Chambers saying that, you know, it's a postseason or bus all from that one Rostin article. Um if you remember his like opening press conference um and really any other media um sessions at State College, it's always been be the best team at the end of the year, which has been his his process or whatever, his tagline since the beginning. Um but it just seems like John Rothstein just kind of fished that story out of them, and and, it, and it's you know they know it. Um, I think a lot of it comes from the AAU side of things. Um, I think that that sentiment of, of when are they going to win is kind of the perspective of AAU coaches that keep hearing, you know, having those relationships with Chambers and, and keep hearing them about how like preaching his patience and how they're getting there, and you know they're tired. They've been hearing the same message for six years. Why why should they send their players to? um, a coach who has losing or keeps losing. Uh, so that's valid or whatever, but, um, I think most people, if you have the right perspective with this team and how many freshmen that they're playing, I really don't think you can get frustrated by how this season's going. Um, I think, I think it's kind of really going exactly how, well, not exactly, but uh, nothing has really surprised me, I guess I should say. Um, but if anyway, if we actually want to talk about kind of like what's going on with the team,
3: Wait, hold on. Are we are we blaming the whole season on John Ross team? Because I, I can
1: yep. get well, down yeah, with let's, that.
2: Let's do. This. I think I don't. I mean I don't know. But you I was know joking. What? I was joking. That, that rumor like, yeah. is bubbling over. There's palpable buzz there. Yeah. <laughs> I, no,
0: Chad. I am. I am all about doing that. Let's do it. All right.
3: Continue, Eric. Please.
0: Well, I
1: mean, you know, what I mean, like, what do you guys think? How, how, that that nit quote or whatever. How how much do you put into that. If you would um, I mean I, it was it was it was dumb to say but like I, I mean it, you know I think uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think I don't
3: think anybody outside of our little Penn State basketball yeah. bubble really paid attention to it so yeah I
2: almost nothing it, it, yeah. other than to say that it was ill-advised but yeah I, I you know I don't really even see anybody other than like commenters on Penn State message boards and even then not many you know Bringing it up, you know, I don't see anybody at ESPN. I don't see anybody yeah. at the Big Ten Network saying like Penn State not living up to the expectations they said. I don't think anybody cares. You know, every the, the vibe I get every time they're on TV is like, you know, we can see what, that you know where the program's heading. And yeah. now they've said that for a few years, but this is the first time they really can say like these players are the ones we're talking about, where these are going to be the players on the next good Penn State team.
0: Yeah, yeah. like go back to the to the Michigan State game. Like I hate that I'm about to do this, but we need to give Dan Dokic a tiny bit of credit for sitting there and basically spending the entire game saying that this is a program on the rise. You can see the talent, and that's really the first time that I I remember this season a national uh, media person sitting there and going, I can see that this is a team with a plan that has the building blocks in place so that in – so next year maybe it's a team that can make it to uh, the NIT or be one of those teams that backs into the NCAA tournament And in two years. And he
2: yeah. and he's a guy who, who knows when teams are on the rise because yeah. if they're not on the rise, he cannot see them from the roof that he's building. <laughs>
0: yeah, very good. <laughs> I, I was actually going to save the jokes for when we talked about how great of a job Seth Davis during the, did during the Wisconsin game. But thank you for that one, Dan. Uh, But yeah, just he did like it was just really cool listening to someone who isn't just in our little bubble go, oh, my God, look at what this team has and look where it's going to be in a couple of years. Um, And then, of course, that's that led to, you know, Indiana, the Indiana game, which was I, I think everyone saw like knew the second that Penn State tied that game, how that game was going to end, and then uh, and then Penn State just got pushed around by Purdue and Wisconsin. But yeah, there there are pieces in place here, and there are reasons to go this could be a good team other than, oh, Tim Frazier's the kind of guy who could do everything, and he's going to get a triple-double, and he'll keep them in games. Or, oh, DJ Newville can score 25, 30 points on any given night. If he gets hot, they can win some games. No, there's like actually a basketball team here now. And it's really fun, and it's really cool, and they're going to be growing pains, and we're really seeing those growing pains. And, Chad, I don't know where I'm going with this, so if you want to start talking,
3: go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're halfway through the Big Ten season, just about. We have one more uh, game until that point, Illinois, at home, which uh, we can talk about a little bit later, but I think that's a, a pretty good shot of the win there. Um, but, you know, I, the the back half of the schedule gets a lot easier. There's not really... You know, there's no uh, Wisconsin on that schedule. You um, got Purdue at home. Um, a lot of winnable games there. So, I mean, we we'll, we can definitely look at this at the end of the season see how it goes um, before we really pass any judgment. Like, passing a judgment right now after this the toughest two-game stretch they're going to face all year is kind of maybe next year. Because, I mean, when are you going to get two ranked teams back-to-back on the road in a short turnaround? So, um, let's not judge them right now.
0: Yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, let's see, uh, any, anything else from these last couple of games that, uh, you guys want to talk about other than maybe just spend a second fawning over how, how much fun it is to watch Josh Reeves kind of just fly around and be a complete lunatic for better or worse.
2: It's, it's cautious fun because yeah. he's doing this thing now where he tries to chase down guys on fast breaks <laughs> and comes close, comes close and sometimes does in fact injure people Yeah, and... That's a little, little bit. Um, I'm going to say uh, concerning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, wh- which one of you was the one who said something about him developing a reputation? Was that you, Eric? Uh, Reeves? Yeah, yeah, it was me. I think he's
1: just one yeah. of those like fiery, feisty guys who can
2: just yeah. kind of get under some people's skin. Yeah. Um, it's something to. It's something to keep an eye on anyway. Because yeah, especially like cause it, the, Yeah. Sorry to you interrupt. interrupt you,
1: your battles. Quick, like you remember, like when you chased down? Uh, I guess it was Ethan Hat last night. Oh yeah, um, and and again, we, were all cut like, we we see him do that, yeah. and it, 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 as crazy as those plays are, if he was late or whatever, and he hurt Ethan Happ, oh my God, they, the Big Ten would have hated him. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. And who do you, who did it, it was
1: close. It was close. <laughs>
3: who did he take down against Minnesota? Uh, was
1: I forget who it was, but you know what I mean. Like I, I mean, I love yeah. how hard he plays, but yeah, he just sometimes can play too. You just hard. gotta pick your moment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I mean, and he he's kind of. Probably more than I'd argue more than anyone when he shows that he's still a young player, it's the most blatant because he'll do these things where he'll just fly through the air and dunk and provide these moments that really give the team a shot in the arm. But then he'll have these moments where he makes a mistake, you know, he turns the ball over, um, he goes for a block on defense and he just misses, and then he feels he needs to make up for it by just flying down the court, putting his head down and Trying to put someone on a poster, and that will lead to uh, that leads to you know a turnover, a charge, something like that, or something with a chase down block. He'll get a little bit too eager, and he ends up flying in and just levels a dude. Like
2: he's one of he's one of those guys where there's no greater shot of adrenaline for him than guilt over the previous play. Yes, which I mean, one
0: if he ever learns how to harness that and to like not do things that could. Not not do things that aren't always uh, going to help the team. Like that's a great skill. Like they're my favorite thing to watch on this team is when uh, one guard has the ball on the on one wing, the other is just standing on the other, and then Josh and Terrence are just there playing defense and completely locking them down. Like that's fun as all hell. But then of course there are those low moments, and as long as uh, as long as Josh gets to the point where he starts avoiding those things. Very good, especially because all of a sudden he's like kind of learned how to shoot threes, which is
1: yeah,
3: kind yeah. Of, I mean, kind But of. Uh, but there's no ill will in those yeah. in foul oh, yeah, kind of it's, it's just he's just trying to make up for a bad play usually. Um, yeah, and and you know it, it is it is like we're two thirds of the way through his sophomore year. It's at the at this point he should be a little bit more mature probably. But um, you know I don't know the kid. Obviously seems like a great guy. Oh, but yeah. um, you know at some point we got to cut that out, um, and I'm sure you will. Yeah. you know, he's a leader on the team. They'll, they'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. All right. What's, uh, well, let's talk about the next couple of games. Uh, we'll talk about the next, uh, uh, let's go with three two. games. Two. You want to do two. All right. Uh, first things first, they're going up on Saturday against Illinois in the Bryce Jordan center. Uh, according to Ken Palm, uh, 58% chance of winning that one. Uh, Penn State is 87 in Ken Palm. Illinois is 69 in Ken Palm. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then a couple days later, they go out to Bloomington uh, to take on an Indiana team that they have a 14% chance of beating. So, uh, Chad, in those two games, like, what are the keys for Penn State to walk out with two wins?
3: Um, Illinois game should be – Illinois has been really trash on the road this year. Um, I know that's Eric's point that he made before, that he thinks that uh, this game should be a blowout because Illinois has just been so bad on the road. But, um, yeah, they're they're I'm a weird team. Like, out. Go ahead. You can you I can know, take this one. I never said it was going to be a blowout. In private, you did.
1: Oh, did I? I think you did. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I do. I definitely <laughs> am on the, the – the, um, they have struggled on the road. I mean, if you look at the mm-hmm. game that they played on the road, um, they bl- lost by 25 at Maryland. Uh, 16 at Indiana. Indiana almost put up 100 points on them. Um, Got blown out at Purdue. Didn't really play well at Michigan either. So, um, yeah, no, that's definitely um, a game that they kind of have to have just because of, like I said, you know, young kids kind of got pounded the last couple of games. Um, You know, you kind of start wondering where their heads are at if they keep losing. You know, they kind of need to experience some success to keep the effort level high. Yeah. so, so it's kind of a big game for them. They match up pretty well. I'm actually, you know, Illinois is playing right now, and they are, um, they're up sixteen on Iowa, um, but they're at home. So, so we'll see. Illinois has definitely been a road home team. Um, there's a lot of more. There's a lot more pressure on Gross in the Illinois program than there is um, on the Penn State program. Uh, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of Illinois fans want to make the tournament, and it doesn't look like they're going to uh, make it this year. So, um, it's kind of a big game for both teams. So. Um, I think Penn State matches up well. Uh, obviously, with the Illini, it, it all starts with Malcolm Hill. But, you know, something we really need to talk about, though, with this team is, is the offense. Uh, that's that's mostly been the reason why they are losing games. Yeah. Um, they've actually been pretty atrocious uh, statistically in a lot of different categories. Um, and, and it's tough to watch sometimes. I think that's kind of really what brings out some of the negativity from some of the fans. Um, it's not so much that they lose, it's just – kind of when you, when you shoot as poorly as this team does, it's just kind of like kind of develops a sense of hopelessness while you're watching sure. them. It's kind of like, if you can't score, you're not going to win obviously. So um, I don't know what you guys think. Um, we can, we can dive in here and talk about the offensive struggles yeah, of, sure. you know, um, kind of if you, coming into the this, this season, kind of something that a lot of people thought would be great or would be a benefit would be Tony Carr playing the one and moving Shep <laughs> off the ball um, and frankly, those two guys, um, you know, were supposed to be the focal points of this offense. And neither one of them are having great years, um, at least in the scoring department. Um, so I don't know what you guys think, how much better this those guys can get. Um, yeah, last
3: night it seemed like they were against Wisconsin. Uh, they they were playing, they swapped their roles, it seemed like. It seemed like Shep was bringing the ball up more and initiating the offense, and Carr was playing off the ball. And it worked for a little bit, but... Um, yeah I know but so too. it didn't didn't really have much of an effect um outside of the first I don't know fifteen minutes or so um but yeah this it, they just can't get anything in the half court and and they're not running enough on 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 uh, off turnovers or anything so um it, you know I don't know if it doesn't seem like they have much of a a plan on offense other than um, let guys create and but maybe they need some more structure i don't I don't know um what do you think
0: I, I mean I I think that this is a team that they t- they need Payton and Shep to hit threes to open things and Tony to an extent to hit threes to open things up for uh you know Lamar to be able to lower his shoulder and uh get through the lane and lay the ball and do all that fun Lamar stuff that we saw the first couple games of the year. Tony is starting to show that it, it, and, and I hate using this word because he's not a white wide receiver, but that like deceptive speed that he has, where he's able to get past dudes and get to the rim. And I mean, his issue at the rim is just finishing. Like the ball, it, it just seems like bad luck with him. The balls just sometimes going around a time or two and then popping out. Yeah,
3: he he could use an off season in the weight room for sure.
0: Absolutely. And then, I mean, Reeves has gotten better about picking his spots with that. I mean, last year, how many times did we see him? I, and he still does it this year, but how many times did we see him, see him try to just out-athlete everyone and then throw off a crazy shot somewhere in the vicinity of the backboard and it didn't go in? Like They need those guys to be able to spread the floor and open things up. Uh, th- again, namely Peyton and Shep open things up for, uh, for really everyone else. Um, Peyton on the year is hitting... A hair under thirty nine percent of his threes, which I, I guess that, that that's not too horrible. And Shep is at about thirty; he's at thirty five and a half percent, which I think is right in line with his career number. If
1: mm-hmm. yep,
0: yeah. It, what so. we
1: the numbers that we really need to to use and talk about, um, and part of the reason, honestly, this is this is a lot of the reason why I am usually more optimistic about this team um, is simply because depending on how how much you believe in the talent level that they have, some of these numbers are just so horrendous that they, they don't match the talent level. Um, they, they look like numbers from like the Ben Luber era. Um, oh. But here we go. So Lamar Stevens, conference only numbers, offensive rating of 84.7 effective field goal percentage of 38.9. That's how that's yeah. actually, I mean, that's that's his two point percentage because he doesn't take threes in um, a 20, 20% turnover percentage. Shep Garner, 87.5 offensive rating um, with only 16.3% usage rate. Uh, that's way down. Um, effective field goal rate percentage, 43.5. Uh, he also has a 20% turnover percentage, which is higher than he usually has. And then if you look at Tony's numbers, um, let me get them in a hot second oh he's got a 90 offensive rating so he he yeah. jumped up after the yeah. uh, last game but um 41.1 yeah. percent hitting three, so, three so, like, clip, which is nice i mean those numbers are terrible and 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 that's and, and we know it i mean we've seen them struggle obviously anyone who's been watching this team um you know I think a lot of it is they, they definitely are um, forcing some shots now that's kind of like you know, Chad was saying, do they need more structure? Um, obviously, Chambers' loose system gives more freedom to the players. Um, so we've seen some some bad decision making, some poor shots. Um, so I don't want to say that Tony's just just oh, he just needs to spend a year in the, the weight room and everything will be fine. You know, he, he definitely needs to to uh, mm-hmm. get better angles on some of his drives. But um, but he's been doing that. I feel like more frequently, yeah. at least in the last couple of games. So um, hopefully they can start turning it around because because those numbers are not what these guys are capable of at all (laughs) yeah i mean let
0: me let me pull this up because tony's box score against indiana he had 24 points he was four of 11 on for 11 on twos i don't think i've seen a player miss that many layups that looked like they were going to go in than he did in that game like he very easily could have been could have eclipsed 30 points if just a couple of shots ended up falling for him instead of, you know, rimming out and him having a little bit of bad luck. So, uh, like, I'm – I don't even know. Like, are are these (laughs) offensive – I guess the question is over the next – over the next, what we'll say three games, uh, Illinois, Indiana, an Indiana team that's – Pretty injured, and Penn State should be uh, may want to be able to go into Assembly Hall and get one back. And I think Dan's made this point that good or bad, this team sometimes is able to really feed off of crowds, no matter like no matter who they're cheering for. But Indiana, Illinois, Indiana, and then Rutgers, those three games, I I think you can argue that they need, and then yeah, we'll just go with those three. They need to figure out what they. Are on offense and what they need to do to succeed on offense, so that when Maryland comes into town and when they take trips to Illinois and Nebraska, and then finish out the schedule, they're able to have some success. So, Chad, do you think they could figure out what's up on offense over these next three games? If so, why? If not, why not?
3: Um, I get. I mean, the issue the issue is not. I mean, the issue it's just finding. Open shots in half court, I think. I mean, they're getting to the free throw line at a really good rate in conference play. Um, they're leading the Big Ten actually in free throw rate. Uh, it, it's just a matter of, I don't know, if it's if it's just finding good looks, I think, in the half court because they don't, they're not running uh, anything I don't know, I think anywhere near they want to, especially the last two games. Um, you know, in the games they've won, they've usually pushed the ball a lot more. Um, so, and I guess some of that starts on defense they're not they need to be for uh, forcing turnovers to create those opportunities. Um, I, I don't know if it's fixable right this season. Um just because a lot of a lot of the guys too seem like um, you know, Lamar Stevens is, is kind of a one trick pony on offense. He's either a, either a take well two trick pony. Um, you know taking a mid range jump shot or, or putting his shoulder down and trying to get to the get to the rim on his right hand side. Lamar's um, got
1: some moves. Come on now.
3: You think I I don't know. He's it, it, not showing a lot of
1: the last two I, I think games, he, he's but.
0: more he's more broad like brute strength than anything. Else I mean, right my, now, Mike, Watkins, he shows some flash Mike
1: Watkins is a one trick pony, but, yeah. but Lamar's got a more, um, definitely a lot more upside, um, on the offensive side of the ball. We saw that. Right. right. It just with, has developed. And I, I gotta I, remember I, how well he played in that Michigan game before the foul trouble. That's, um, true. that's true. He dominated that game. Yeah. The first half, um, go, drives to the rim, um, up and under pump fakes. Um, I do think he's starting to fall in love with the mid-range jumper, yeah. working more outside. in. I'd rather see him try to set the tone and I, get to the line. I, I think you can tell with Lamar that
0: he's well, at the beginning of games. He he'll take like two or three of those, and if they fall, he's like, "Okay, yeah, I got it today." But if not, then he uh, like he could just tell when he does and does not have it, and it's usually based on a couple of early mid-range jumpers. But when he has it. I mean, he could really, really play. And that's when he gets a little bit more creative on the offensive side of the ball. And, you, you know, I'd like to see that a little more frequently out of him because he can really score when he's locked in.
3: Man, I just wish he had a three-point shot, though. That yeah. would really open everything up on offense. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. If Lamar, but, well, you know, that could maybe come.
1: Who knows?
3: Yeah. It would be nice. Um <laughs>
1: Getting Tony and, and Shep on the same page in, mm-hmm. is is more important too. Um, uh, just from their from the position, obviously commanding the ball. ball but um, and I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I just think it, we're just kind of waiting for the light bulb to go off for uh, Tony Carr. And, and I feel like it's it's slowly starting to flicker these last couple of games. Yeah. Um, the Indiana game, he really um, realized how he could get to the rim. Um, against whoever was guarding him, frankly, and he shot like twenty I don't I don't remember how many free throws he was. It was probably it was 11. over ten, uh, eleven. Um, he had like twenty some points that game, right? Twenty four? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um Which then again that first... is despite not
0: hitting maybe hitting going like one for six or seven on layups.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and honestly the first half yesterday, um all three yeah. of the point guards with Samuel uh, Garner and and Carr um, when they weren't turning the ball over, which, you know, I'm sure they were guilty of some of that because they had so many first-half turnovers. But when they were getting shots, they were – they looked good. Um, you know, Carr, Carr was able to – I thought Carr really did a nice job in transition yesterday of, like, um, taking advantage of the defense and, and not necessarily forcing it and getting a, but getting a good look off of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think that's – because clearly Chambers is encouraging him to go, 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 play fast, play fast. And if it's there, take it. And that's, you know, there's, there's some neg- there's some negatives with that when you're playing guys who obviously are feeling out this style and playing for the first time at this level. Um, but I feel like he's, he's starting to make more and more um, the right decision than the wrong decision and getting better looks from it, um, whether he's driving all the way to the rim or whether he's pulling up for a mid-range floater or jumper or whether he's driving and kicking. Um you know, there's definitely – I feel like he's set up a lot of shots um, recently more than he has before with the drive and kick. And uh, hopefully the shots start going down for guys like ship Garner. So, yeah. I'm telling you, man, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Some sure. people don't think it's going to happen. You might be thinking, let's get a grad transfer. Let's get, like, another shooter in here. Well, oh, um, it'd be nice. I, I would it'd be nice.
0: Actually, um, I, I think that what this team really needs is for Terrence Samuel to shoot more threes because – he is making infinitely more threes now than he did at UConn, which is which is very nice. So keep on. I mean, He's honestly,
1: good. I would be I would be cooler with. Um, now, obviously, this is gonna make us talk about Joe Hampton, but oh, I am cool. oh. I am cooler with getting like a four or five guy who can step out and shoot, um, yeah. rather than a backcourt player that could shoot. Um, I think that would definitely help them more next year than um, a guard that could shoot. You know what I mean?
3: Right, the backcourt's pretty crowded as it yeah. is. Um,
1: yeah, I think they need some bodies and some sizes up front. Like a Joey King-style grad transfer? Is that what we're talking here?
3: Uh, I know he wasn't a grad transfer, but like a six-eight. Yeah,
1: I mean, honestly, he would probably be the type of guy that they would get um, if they could. Um, I always forget about
3: Satchel Pierce, too. I mean, he, just having him That's would be true. huge, too. So
1: That is true. Pierce is coming in. Um, you know, I don't have huge expectations for Pierce, but... If he plays 10, 15 minutes, that's cool with me. Yeah. if it's somebody defense. other Moore, and Yeah, if it's somebody that – As long as we have an option other than Julian Moore, I'm cool with that. Not that like, – you know what I mean? Not that I'm like going to hate on Julian Moore or anything. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes Julian doesn't have it, and it would be nice to yeah. give somebody else a shot. You know? So that's yeah. where I'm at with those guys.
0: So uh, the last thing I want to do before we leave – um, I, I. I want to throw this question out there. What is Penn State's best five-man lineup? Like, when Penn State has its most success, and my guess is that we're all on the same page on this one, and also, uh, no, you're not crazy. Dan left the podcast like 20 minutes ago. Uh, But when Penn State is playing at its best, who are the five guys on the floor?
3: Um, I mean, the five best players, probably who uh, would yeah who would you be who would be your lineup? Um be, because I think this is a, uh, an interesting know. question because
0: I it's think we I think we all agree on 1 through 3 Tony Shep and Josh.
1: Do we? we going to say Peyton's, usually, Peyton's Taten, Peyton I would, would make Go ahead. Uh, well no, I think Payne it's uh, Payne's really the only other one in the conversation. Yeah. I mean there's there's right. six of them. Um unless you really think Julian Moore is Tyrant Samuel or
0: I mean, if you look at the end of that Indiana game, they they were having their most success with Lamar on the bench. Mm-hmm. So I I do think it's Tony Shep, Josh, Lamar, Mike. But I am willing to hear putting Peyton in for either Josh or Lamar because he's able to bring a different dimension than either of those guys really have.
3: You wouldn't think about selling him out for uh, him in for Shep. I mean we I, was saying, I, this I year? can be
0: talked into that too.
3: I mean I mean only only just gives you three point shooting
1: basically that I mean that's what Banks does and you, and do you're a little think, bigger too. So do do we I mean do we think the whole Shep having the ball in his hands more as the one is is something that we should continue or assuming that's that was a deliberate strategy from Chambers.
0: I want to see that more continue that. I want to see that more against teams that aren't uh Purdue and Wisconsin on the road.
1: Because I mean, frankly, I mean, we remember Shep of uh, the last couple of years and how kind of how many terrible shots that he would put up that a lot of people hate. You know, sometimes maybe that's just kind of his style. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe he's just well, a he's gunner that he, yeah. you know what I mean? He want, he needs that high volume to be able to produce the way he was before.
3: It, um, does, it doesn't seem like they're running him off a lot of screens this year. You think that's like the plant the thing they would do to try to get free him up? But
1: but uh, I feel like he's had looks though. I feel like he he he's had, yeah, yeah, he, he's had looks for sure. Um, um and a lot of them are definitely spot up shots um mm-hmm. you know usually you know we say you know shooting off the dribble is never preferable or whatever but, but if you're good at it yeah yeah sometimes i yeah. you know. like i mean you remember when he would get hot he would just start dribbling and pulling up and draining them and we haven't uh, really the, seen that from him this year
3: the boston college games ingrained in my memory of him like yeah just running up the court crossing over and shooting and drilling it yeah. so um we haven't seen yeah. that yeah um I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. I thought uh, Car and Garner would be a lot more successful than they are. Like you said before, um, and they have time I, to figure
1: it out yet. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like it's too early for me to pull the plug yeah. on those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, NRT nit are bust. So N- if, we, I if, we t- fall, t- if we fall, if yeah. we a game short of the nit, you know, this is all a waste of time. Let's move on. Yeah, I, I think if we fall a we'll game. Just get story. rid of Mike Watkins. You no, know, no, no, yeah. you no, know? Eric, you're not
0: going to the lengths <laughs> we need to. If Penn State does not make okay. the NIT this year, I think we just need to disband the program. Like, <laughs> we, we we cannot stand for this mediocrity. The plan in college basketball is to win a national championship. Every single team has that exact same goal with zero context attached to it. So if Penn State has literally never won a national championship, I just don't know how it's worth it, how we can ever justify having a program, you know?
1: Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope, uh, t- yo, I hope we can. Yeah, I hope we could talk about the NIT if they yeah. win like to the next three, might be able to start talking about would,
0: it. H- how surprised would you be if they went out and won like five of the next six?
1: I would not be. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I, I've been more optimistic. I'm telling you, I. It's going to turn around. Those numbers. I'd are be surprised. I'd be surprised. There's a lot. Of, there's I, t- I three row games there. Five of six is definitely a little. It, um, it, it's a stretch definitely but i don't it's pretty but three, I
0: would, I would, it's possible.
1: Possible.
0: yeah i mean illinois rutgers yeah. and then one of nebraska on the road illinois on the road maryland at home indiana on the road
3: can i go on the record now and say that they're going to beat maryland at home
0: you've been on Never. the record with uh, that you, for you like can two hold me that you've been on the record with that for like two and a half years chad so
3: Okay, well, which I'll no, it.
0: like I, I will not make fun of you no, for that's that a one good because tactic. because that is not what? that is not a ludicrous prediction like Penn State will lose to Saint John's or Penn State could lose to Rutgers.
3: It's fine. I don't ever. Oh, I'll own it. I'll own it.
0: Well, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, please go back and listen to Chad. Very much not own <laughs> it when we brought it up earlier. But having said that, yeah, if this team is able to go out beat Illinois, beat Rutgers, and then win one of Maryland, Illinois, and Nebraska, that, I I mean, they have, give, give them that little shot of confidence heading into, I, I mean, I'll, I'll throw the Purdue game out just because why not? Give them that little shot at of home. confidence. Yeah, sure. Fine, give them that little shot of confidence going into their last four games, two of which are at home one against an Ohio State team that um, getting I've, better getting getting better but I still like following Ohio State fans because they are convinced that this is a this is a team worth getting very angry over but still if they win at three games in the three of their next six games this team is going to be at six wins on, six conference wins on the year that's I believe the tied for the second best under Pat. With last year. Yeah. Last year was seven. And I think the year they went to the CBI uh was six. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, last year was Yeah, there is a th- there is a legitimate path for this to be a year where this team wins six or seven or knock on wood eight games. And if that happens heading into next year, this is gonna be one of those teams that gets a whole hell of a lot of buzz. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh last thing Illinois, Indiana. Does Penn State win? What do they go over those two games, Eric?
1: Uh, those two games, uh, I would say one on one. One I and one,
0: Jed. J- you all say one and one. Or are you bold enough to go two and zero? Oh?
3: No, one on one. They beat Illinois and lose to Indiana.
1: All right. Yeah, and I would say that the one and one has to be beating Illinois because I, I can't imagine if we lose to Illinois that we would be able to respond by winning at Indiana. But you never yeah. know. You never know. All right,
0: so I think that's That's it for this edition of the podcast. Um, Thank you. As always, to all of you for listening, uh, follow us on our social media channels. Keep reading, sharing, supporting the site, all that. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Uh, Buy some shirts, uh, new hockey shirts out. It's a nice shirt, and I think you would like it very much, even if you don't really like hockey. Uh, Again, thank you very much for listening. For Chad Markulix, for Eric Gibson, and for the recently departed Dan Smith, I am Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.